Riley Jensen, and he joins us right now on their special guest line, which is brought to you by T-Mobile. The T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Riley, good morning. What's going on, guys? Uh, just sitting here thinking about BYU after they shove Navy around like that, even a Navy team that hadn't been hitting. They're going to have a huge size advantage on Army. Are they just going to do this game in and game out? Because I think the answer is more likely to be yes than no. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked last week. I mean, there was no game on the schedule that I thought that they shouldn't win, and I thought that every single game on the schedule they could win. Uh, I, I think what was impressive about this win is that the offensive and defensive line of BYU was dominant. And when you look at Empey and you look at Herring and you see some of these old-time names, it's kind of fun to watch. I mean, you, I, there were there some plays that were really impressive to me. So there's, you know, there's kind of in, – in football, there's a zone-blocking scheme and there's a man-to-man blocking scheme. But there was a few times when I was watching Empey snap the ball. Um, he, he's snapping the ball in shotgun – and he's literally leaving the guy that's right over the top of him and reach blocking clear over to what's called a three technique, which is the outside shade of the guard. And he's getting in front of him and driving him downfield. And they're running, they're running plays like that. Look, if you can, if you can have your center pull and hit what they call a three technique, I mean, it's about a six, seven foot move right at the snap of the ball, get in front of him and drive him backwards. I mean, you're, you're going to be able to do a lot of things in the run game. Yeah, I can recall in that bowl game two years ago when Zach Wilson did not throw an incomplete pass, the Western Michigan coach in the postgame, I was up in Boise for the game, he literally took time out to single out Empey, the center. And I thought, okay, well. This guy was, I mean, I'm just watching the game. I'm not watching the interior line, but that guy did, and he was just complimenting James big time, so I'm thinking, uh, and he's just a freshman at the time. This kid's a future NFL guy, and so you combine this experience with this talent, and you got domination, and in my mind, there's no reason to think that this won't continue pretty much the whole season. Yeah, I can't can't really see... I mean, look, there's always going to be matchups. There's always going to be schemes. There's always going to be things that people are throwing at you. And I I do feel like Navy was a little bit unprepared that way. I mean, you have to understand, uh, there was also some things in that game that were disturbing to me that I'd never seen out of a Navy game before. And I'm so glad that, that Ken had, you know, Coach Ken Niamatololo had the, the vulnerability and the, the willingness to express that, like, some things happened that, that normally don't happen with Navy. But, I mean, there was there was at least three plays that I remember where from the nose guard all the way to the right side, there wasn't an, a, a defensive lineman at all. And so basically, like, offensive linemen for BYU were releasing all the way to linebackers, and they were running the ball that way. I mean, you just don't see a Navy team that's not lined up correctly. I mean, there, ha- there, there was three or four offensive penalties um, in the first half on their offense, just on delay of games or illegal shifts and that kind of stuff. And they're typically within the top two in the country of not being penalized. So there were things that were going on that, that were not normal Navy. So I, I don't know that every game is going to be 55 to three, but 
the point is well taken that on this offensive and defensive line, I mean, they were running full shifts on the defensive line. So it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to, we're going to substitute in a couple of guys. I mean, they were bringing, you know, they were bringing in Lorenzo Fautea and three other guys as their second group and just running for like three, four plays in a row. And then it was like a full shift change. You know, it reminded me of hockey, right? It was like, okay, well, shift change. Everybody's off. Everybody's on. And if they can keep doing that, it doesn't really matter what people throw at them. And, and if they have enough confidence in their D-line and their O-line like they showed on – on uh, Monday night, it's it's going to be tough to win. And any coach that you've ever talked to, and and I know that sometimes we complain that it's coach speak and all that kind of stuff, but when you when you dominate on the offensive and defensive line, it's it's really hard not to feel really good about your team. And I think BYU should feel really good about it. And for the people that are arguing, like you know, and I I tease Alema because last year he was like, well, it's just Toledo. Or, you know, something like that. And, and, and I tease him and say, well, it was just Navy. So if there's people out there saying that that are listening to this, yeah, it was. It was just Navy. But this is what the old-time BYU teams did to Navy that, that weren't prepared to play against them. They dominated. But the thing that you have to be excited about if you're a BYU fan is they dominated in the run game like I've never seen BYU dominate. I've never seen BYU dominate in the trenches. Even the great teams of old at BYU, they ran and they set up the pass with Peter Tui Pelotu or with Matt Bellini, and they had these cool draw trap schemes, and they had these these plays, but they weren't a dominant run team like they were on Monday night. And that 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 kind of makes me think that there's there's a lot to look forward to. And let's not take a, you know credit away from Petey. Katoa and some of these running backs. I mean, Katoa, I've been watching for a long time. He was much stronger and much faster than I've seen him. Zach Wilson's arm is healed up. There's definitely some zip on the ball that wasn't there last year. And so this, this could be an interesting and fun season. And I, the thing that I, and I, and I know I'm talking for a long time here, but the thing that really makes me wonder or makes me kind of feel bad about this team is, I think there'll kind of always be an asterisk next to it because they'll be like, well, what could have been or, or what, what is, what would have looked like if all teams would have been playing and they had their full schedule. So PK and I both got here in the early nineties and there was a tradition of BYU having really good offensive linemen. We, I heard all about Mo Elowanibi. Now he was drafted in 1990 and I didn't get here for a couple more years. So I didn't see him playing college. Uh, you know, in person, I guess he would have been playing in a you know TV game I watched at some point. But over a dozen years, BYU had a dozen offensive linemen drafted. And then you get to about 2000, and it just all stops. I mean, it just, there's occasionally uh, Dustin Reichert, um, Scott Young. It looks like there's two offensive linemen drafted in 20 years. So now they got four guys the NFL is looking at, what has changed? Why do they suddenly have such a good offensive line? And here's the question Cougar fan really wants to know. Is this sustainable? I mean, these guys will go off to the NFL. you got a couple juniors, a couple seniors. But are there more guys behind them? Is a pipeline being really established, or is this a one-off? Well, I feel like if, if, if all four of these guys are as good as advertised and they end up going to the NFL, um, it – it really becomes a, a boon for recruiting. So even if there is a little bit of a dip off, 
which I kind of don't think there will be because I really feel like offensive line play is a mentality. Um, even if there is a little bit of a dip off, then then you're going to see um, a, a, a whole slew of offensive linemen that are like, hey, if I can make it to the NFL from BYU and, you know, and that's not far away from where I live and my parents can come and watch me and I could still make my dreams come true by going to BYU, then, then you're going to see, uh, you know, an uptick in draft picks and players that are playing. But right now, there was, there was the thing that I love. Here, here's the thing that I love, and this is where I think good coaching takes place, is when you see players like James Empey improve from their freshman year to their junior year or their senior year. And it's not like he wasn't good when he was a freshman, right? And, and I, that's what I look for when I see players go to BYU, really any college, sorry, not just BYU, is, is the player improving from his freshman year to his senior year. And I think for a little while there, in some of the different places, I think there was NFL-type talent at BYU this whole time. But the improvement didn't take place that you were looking for, that you're hoping for. And so it's fun to see James MP play well. I love to see Hoke improve his play. There's there's players all over the field that are doing that are doing great things. And so you know, this offensive line and defensive line, I've always felt like that's where where BYU or excuse me, University of Utah has kind of really made their money and really understood what the Utah player can do. And I feel like Utah State, BYU, University of Utah, Weber State, I mean, right now, they they can make really, really good teams by, you know, the milk and potatoes kids of the state of Utah that are offensive and defensive line. There's lots of those type of kids here. Now, they don't have to recruit all of them from here, but there's a lot of really, really good offensive and defensive linemen in Utah. So I was thinking about this, Riley. I've come around to your way of thinking. I think BYU would have beat Utah. <laughs> totally. Totally. That's totally how I feel. Like, there's no question. No, wait. I didn't say that last week, PK. I said that I'd be picking the University of Utah until BYU actually breaks through because I think that whole thing is a mental thing. I don't, I think, I don't think it has to do with players, but... Man, I think this BYU team that played against Navy would have been ready, and I think University of Utah would have had their hands full, and it would have been, you know, one of those games where it comes down to the last two or three plays, um, and and that's the way the games have been anyway. It just seems that Utah has always been able to make that final play or final couple of plays to win it, um, but you'll never know because it's that it's that asterisk that I was talking about. It's it's going to be tough. You know, I'm sure BYU fans, especially when they're the only team playing west of Texas, right? They're going to be talking about how they would have beat University of Utah and how they would have done this and how they would have done that. But the truth is the game didn't happen. And University of Utah fans are going to push back and it's just going to add to the rivalry. and It's going to add to a lot of different things. It's kind of fun. Right. Yeah, I agree with you, though. I think this was the year the streak would have stopped. <laughs> Dude, is this? This is kind of how this is. This is almost exactly. See, and, and I'm I'm seasoned to you, PK. You can't do this to me because this is what you did to Max Hall, and then Max Hall was like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. This is, that's exactly right." 
<laughs> exactly how you got him to break down in an emotional moment, and then you, and then, and then, and then he, I mean, he said something for the ages, and I'm not going to give you that. I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Mental you though, toughness. Mental Just, toughness. I, I, all right, I, I agree with the guy, and he, and he unloads on me. <laughs> Dude, you know, you know who I feel the worst for. I feel the worst for Jackie because I can't even imagine the circular argument that takes place with you from time to time. Like, oh, I was agreeing with you. What are you talking about? And she's like, "Am I in Bizarro World? Like, this is seriously Bizarro World." Man, <laughs> she is actually, she has actually texted me during the show when he starts pulling <laughs> stuff on me on the show that he does at home. I've literally gotten the text. He does this at home all the time. Oh, jeez. I mean, it's, you know, you have to be cool, calm, and collected around PK. I mean, I almost have to do breathing techniques before this segment. You know, just make sure I'm, my, I got my clarity of thought going on. All and right. with all my, my CTE, it can be hard, you know. Now, Riley, <laughs> as long as we've talked about Mrs. Kinahan, let's talk about Mrs. Jensen in the video <laughs> that is right? sweeping social media. <laughs> and to be clear, because I believe you're about to be convicted and you will do time for this. The good thing is your wife was there and she knows. But that's not you screaming on the video after the monster no. tree, which I think was like a 40 or 50 footer. But in the retelling of the story is now a 300 foot Sequoia Redwood. <laughs> sure. It comes crashing down in the street and just brushes the back of her van. And you hear, I got it. I got it on video. But that wasn't yeah. you, right? That was that wasn't me. That was my that was my neighbor, Greg Newbold. I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck him under the bus because he wants video credit. And Greg Greg did a great job of filming it. Although he 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 did he did call me and apologize when he sent me the video. He's like he's like, Hey, by the way, like that all happened so fast, I didn't even notice the car until like maybe like ten seconds later. So he's like, I'm so sorry, but I wanted to send you this film because this is crazy. This is, this is crazy. But yeah, it's like a 40, 50 foot spruce and who knows what happened. And my wife said, you know, I asked her, I said, did you, did you see it coming? And she's like, no, I didn't. And she goes, honestly, me and my friend, Rachel, her friend, Rachel was driving the car with her. She goes, we think that if we would have noticed the tree, that our natural instinct would have been to stop and that, the, that, that it just would have fallen on us. But it was up on a hill a little bit, so it was kind of out of their peripheral vision. And then all they heard were the pine needles scraping the back of the car. <laughs> That's what they heard. <laughs> and she looked back and she goes, I'm not even kidding you, Riley. Like, road closed. As soon as that tree fell down, she's like, and, and all they were doing was going to, going to check on our kids up at, up at the elementary school to to because the power was out and they were just going to go make sure everything was all right. So it, 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 next time when I, you know when when something like that happens, I'm going to be hey, let's just stay home, you know, unless we need to go out, <laughs> unless we need to. <laughs> but it was pretty crazy. You, yeah, you can check it out at Riley Jensen on I, on Twitter. I just retweeted it right now while you were talking, so people can find it pretty quickly. I had to go well, through your feed. You've been posting a lot lately. <laughs> Well, I mean, I have trampoline fly up over two fences in a tree and into my front yard without doing any damage. I have no idea how that trampoline didn't break everything on the way. I mean, it, 
And, and my story is just one of hundreds of stories. I think they estimated there's over a thousand big trees down from the storm. It was, it was crazy on Tuesday. It was crazy. We, we didn't get a whole lot of damage out here in Sandy, but uh, the neighbors' trees, uh, leaves and branches and whatnot, more branches. So I went and picked them up in the backyard yesterday, and I noticed that my barbecue cover is gone. I can't find it. Well, you know, PK, when you, when, when you cheer for the Lord's team like you do and you do good things on and off the field, like, I mean, good things are going to happen to you. You don't have trampolines flying. It's just barbecue covers. But I lost a barbecue cover. But, but I am team. That is absolutely team. convinced that uh, the Sun Devils would have kicked the crap out of BYU. Sun Devils? I thought, I thought you were for the Lord's team, not the Devils team. What's going on with you? Well, why that would you the, bring them up? <laughs> because Herm Edwards is a Christian. I, you know what? I love me some Herm Edwards, though. Uh, you and, know what's disappointing? Is, is that, that you didn't believe in him when he got hired there. No, and now I still, you do. I still don't. Now you've come all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> I know he can go 7-5 and because I've seen everybody go 7-5. and five. But this <laughs> week, I had planned to go down to Vegas. I have personal reasons to be in Vegas a fair amount of time. So I was going to be down there this weekend, and I was going to watch uh, ASU and UNLV, and I was going to go to the post game and get some comments about because next week ASU was supposed to be playing BYU, and you're gotcha. right about all this stuff about not being there, not being able to have it happen. It's just it's so disappointing in that way. I'm glad BYU's playing, and you know we'll take whatever we can get, and that's why I'm not going to crack on their schedule because. Any game is better than no game, and Tom Homo had to do what he did and did a fine job in uh, dire circumstances that literally probably only be the once in his lifetime. But, yeah, just to be able to have that schedule that they had, it, it, it's disappointing to not have these games being played. Well, especially if they continue to play this well. Like, if they, if they continue to dominate, I think everybody's just going to be like, oh, what could have been? What could have been? But I agree with you. I'm... I'm just happy there's games. There's games for me to watch. It helps me to feel normal for a few hours on a on a Monday night. Like like life is is back to normal. Well, at least you can you can watch them. Some of us still don't have electricity. So how about that? Oh oh. We got we got told last night you'll have it tomorrow night or or soon thereafter. <laughs> Left the I'm door sure, open there. I'm sure PK has power. I'm sure his house is fine because he he does the right things, right? PK. Oh yeah, my at uh, my apartment, we're fine. <laughs> As opposed to DJ's mansion, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, oh yeah, so he's got one portion of the estate where he doesn't have power. What the freak do? Sorry, geez. DJ. I had to. I had to set him up with that. I had to. <laughs> Okay, but the albino alligators are, are pretty hungry, so don't come over and try to wade through the moat again, okay? <laughs> There'll be trouble. Trouble. Actually, I got anchor tonight, so I'll just watch the game at work, so I'll be covered there. But uh, my wife's like, you got to go take a look at where the power line's attached to the house. And they're attached to this uh, piece of wood, and it is dangling from the side of the house, so. Well, make sure you touch the wire then, too. Huh? Yeah, well, it's dead right now, <laughs> but down the line, that could be a problem, yeah. Yeah, duh. 
I won't, <laughs> I won't be fixing he's, that. He's dead right now. Someone else could be later. Yeah. All right, Riley. We appreciate it. Thanks as always. Thanks, guys. That was fun.